Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings, fellow Fordians, and welcome to another episode of Investigating the Impossible with Tobias and Emily. As always, I'm Emily. I'm still Tobias. <laughs> and today we have brought Adam Benedict from the Pine Barrens Institute back on the show because he's put out yet another book, Ghosts in Print. So welcome to the show, Adam. And thanks for having me back again. Yeah, thanks for being here. You know, it's always uh, a lot of fun for us to be able to get together and, and chat with you. So we very much appreciate it. Um, yeah, like Emily said, the new book uh, just came out uh, last year, Ghosts in Print, an assemblage of spirits, spooks, and specters from newspapers of old. So sort of similar to cryptids, uh, or I'm sorry, monsters in, in print, the, the cryptid sort of version. Mm -hmm. But uh, this time ghosts. What was uh, what was that about? Why, why, why ghosts? I mean, we love ghosts, of course, but like what was what is sort of your, your motivation there? Pretty much just that, like, who doesn't love a good ghost story? It's it's one of those things that everyone remembers hearing a ghost story, uh, a, a specific one that's stuck with them. You know, growing up as a, a child, you might have heard it while like camping or at a sleepover or something. Everyone has a favorite, and typically everyone will stop and listen when someone is talking about it. So it was always that idea that was kind of festering in the back of my mind, like, oh, it'd be cool to to do uh, a, a collection of stories and stuff and with monsters that was kind of the you know testing the waters if people would like that kind of style um and then when people enjoyed you know the collection it's like okay there's there's a lot more ghost stories out there than their monster stories so and they range greatly so do this kind of quote-unquote passion project try it next and thankfully people seem to enjoy it yeah yeah it definitely seems to have worked out i mean uh, monsters in print seem to be pretty popular. Certainly, you know, uh, Emily and I in, enjoyed it quite a bit, and mm -hmm. and I imagine Ghosts in, in print from the reception I've seen is 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 performing similarly. Um, now, you mentioned the the relative popularity of ghost stories, and so in your research, have like were you just sort of constantly coming upon these these historical ghost stories? Um, for the most part. Yes, but they weren't always ghost stories. You got to remember back in the day, like the early 1800s um, to the mid 1800s, ghost was just like a general term that they used for something that was like unknown, but they thought was human. So, you know, if there was like a burglar in the neighborhood, they would say they prowling around like a ghost or... Um, you know, if someone had an unexplained incident happen on their farm or something like that, they'd say, oh, it's like the work of a ghost. But they wouldn't actually be talking about a ghost. So you had to dig through all that stuff to get to the actual ghost stories. And even then, you had to be like very specific in what you were trying to search for because the term ghost would be the general umbrella, but then they, within the article itself, they would like give it more uh, more description as to what they're actually talking about, whether they did think it was, you know, a disembodied spirit or, you know, a practical joker. Mm -hmm. So it was easy, but then it became harder once you get got past that ease. Well, did you find ghost being used to represent any other kind of 
unusual phenomena? Not so much phenomena all the time, but a, a lot of like criminal activity, mm. uh, robberies, mm. theft of, you know, like gangs of, of, of the homeless at the time, they'd apply the term ghosts because they couldn't catch who was doing it. Sure. When they were really starting to talk about ghosts, uh, what we know as a ghost today or people refer to as a ghost today, then they'd start using the word like specter or um, his ghost ship. Like that was a really popular one when hmm. if it was actually dealing with one specific ghost they thought, it was usually his ghost ship. <laughs> okay, so sort of like an in, in, in honorific for some reason. Yeah, and it's, it's a term that really should come back, I think, because it's... You know, they even did that in monsters, too, when they would refer to, like, if there was a specific, you know, lake monster or something, uh, like a serpentine monster, they'd call it, they'd refer to it as his snake ship. And in this, you know, the same thing. Don't know why it ever fell out of fashion, but I really feel that people should start utilizing it. We'll more. bring it back. We will bring it back. <laughs> 2021, the year of his ghost ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Interesting. So it sounds like a lot of the articles that, that, that you found, at least initially, dealt fairly mundane subjects, you know, criminals and, and, and such. Now, was there a, a decent amount of similarly like mundane or easily explained instances, I, I suppose, also represented? Like, I guess what I'm really asking is, did it seem like a significant number of these articles were were hoaxes or, or misidentifications? The early part of the 1800s, they were pretty much um, easily explained away. It was usually, um, you know, they talk about, you know, a haunted uh, room in an inn, which was usually just like a, a sound from a rusty sign outside or a tree or something like that. Um, or uh, like an owl caught in a fence, things that they could figure out. But then as it progressed and it got to like the 1850s, the 1860s, then it started getting more where... Um, they were getting into like people actually hoaxing being ghosts and then you know as i kept progressing then stories where um they couldn't really explain it like it sounded like they were dealing when actual ghosts started to appear and then you know those proved to be popular so then that's pretty much where it stayed they they didn't really focus anymore on the ones that were oh this is this is fun this is a little puff piece it was like no this is about a dead person we believe who came back or this is about a ghoul who rose from the grave or or things like that. So it was it was a steady progression, you know, that eventually evolved, evolved into where we're at with it today. So um, you, can, you can definitely see it as the years go by where people were putting their attention in their daily news. That's so interesting. So in your research, you found that the earliest articles seemed to, to be relatively mundane and then sort of moved on to hoaxes and then that eventually led into reportedly paranormal activity like like did i hear that right yeah um yeah in the in the beginning it was just that that's where they started applying the term like ghosts to anything it's like the room is haunted and you know on a windy night it might make the outdoor sign hit against a wall they're saying it's a ghost in there it's a ghost and that they just kind of applied it to anything and everything that was not explainable that instant in front of them but could would be explained later on uh, but you started getting into the ones where you know later on in the future where people are reporting seeing someone like disappear in front of them or um, you know the classic image of a, a, a death shroud walking through the house that passes through a wall so yeah <laughs> hmm. 
Well, how do you account for if you do uh how do you account for the the change in uh narrative or or at, at the very least the the change in which uh the the term ghost seems to be applied because i that, that's so interesting to me because it, it seems to imply uh maybe some sort of cultural shift or or uh, uh you know maybe a a change in, in in journalistic style or something similar honestly i think probably one of the biggest reasons for the change or the putting more focus on sometimes yeah at the speed of ghosts but it, it was from July 15th, 1880, from the Northern Pacific Farmer in Minnesota, which uh, related the story from the New York Times. And the headline was, The Speed of Ghosts, Some Scientific Reflections on the Rate of Travel of Disembodied Spirits. And obviously fake ones. It's just the uh, the puff pieces that have no... I don't know. To me, it like reads like a mod- had no basis in reality. Just to drive in more people to do that. That's interesting. So, um, well, speaking of theory or, or legend or story or whatever, and through various Wikipedia clicks, you end up on just like the most bizarre thing, but you can't not read it. Right. That's how like this reads to me the first time I, I came across it. The and it's been burned into my mind ever since. The first line of it already is like so insufferable. A very large proportion of ghost stories, when they come to be carefully examined, prove to have no more basis of truth than an average Tribune political table. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, it, 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 what's... <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I'm sorry, that first line, I read it and I was like, really? Really, dude? It sounds like what they're talking about is is crisis. Crisis apparitions, which is actually a fascinating subject. That is, yeah. In and of itself, you know? And when it you were, is. Yeah. And, like, it's, it makes sense as you're reading it, but it's just, like, the theory behind it, I don't know if, you know, because they were limited by the time and they weren't sure how to explain it, but it's like, you know... They start talking about ghosts understanding time zones and hanging out above the world, waiting for the world to spin directly at that time, and then descending again. So it's, I don't know, there's just something about it. Well, that that doesn't make sense because like a a crisis apparition is supposed to appear at the moment of somebody's death. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's across time zones. Like, so they wouldn't be able to sit around and wait like up in the the atmosphere somewhere for the earth to spin underneath them to go tell their friend or loved one that that they had passed um because it's supposed to happen at the instant of death so it it, Mm. it just is so anachronistic i think to me to hear people with i guess people who like equate our perception of like localized time with the reality of time as a construct because they're two very different things and it just makes no sense at all to think that you know whichever portion of our planet happens to be getting like sun at that particular time really has any bearing on the actual passage of time or or how time exists and and interacts with things you know Right. And in reading that, you get that sense where you're like, okay, okay, oh, you're lost. It's like you were so close. (laughs) And you went down that other path and it's just like, oh, we were almost right there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You almost had it, 1880s journalist. Oh, that's great. Um, (laughs) 
So, all right, well, okay. So, like that—that's a fun one. Like, a, you know, that's that's that has some humor value. But what about the? I, I guess I don't want to say like the real stuff, but what struck you as particularly like authentic? Uh, like, are there any particular cases that that you know you thought could represent you know potentially real paranormal activity? Oh yeah, there there's one that. Um, sticks in my mind because I can actually relate my own experience to this exact one. Um, again, it's the, the title is eluding me because there's, you know, 200 plus stories. In oh this, yeah. In this, this, book. this book is enormous. So like, I, I can't keep the, the, the headlines straight of them, but what it is, it is about a house in Sun Prairie, uh, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. I grew up there. And it takes place in the 1800s, and it's about a family who they they point out in the article that they didn't want to be named. They did not want the location of their home to be named because, you know, they were they didn't want people coming around bothering them, you know, ruining their lives, anything like that. So they wanted to keep it hush hush. But the way it reads is it, it seems very authentic to what's happening. And the family reported that they were experiencing a lot of unexplained noises uh, and messes within their home. They had the classic, you know, while no one's in the kitchen, a bunch of dishes and, and crockery and all that would fly off the shelves. In the upper level of their home, they would hear what sounded like at the time uh, they would they would compare it to like like a, a like thunder or like a blast of something that would take place in the room where they think that there was something destructive happened to their room and they'd rush up there and there wouldn't be anything. It was just loud, unexplainable booms, crashes, and then the other times, you know, they'd hear the crashes and they'd go up there and like the bed, the big wooden beds would be flipped upside down or the or the wardrobe would be knocked down blankets and sheets and everything would be pulled off the bed so to combat this they thought that someone might have been broken into their house or one of the family members was doing it as a joke so they talk about how they would lock the doors from the inside uh, by the father would have the only key and he would lock it and he'd shove the lock full of like clay or something so he would know if it was disturbed no one ever disturbed it but this stuff still kept happening in the house um it, it almost reads like it was the beginning stages or like a more advanced like poltergeist type of haunting mm -hmm. but it has all the classic elements that people still report to this day and it's like they weren't they weren't trying to like embellish anything you could tell by the writing it wasn't like oh this and then the bloody corpse was walking through the hall one night and they all saw it, it was just the house was plagued by something they could not understand that's really interesting I, I i do find that fascinating how closely that mirrors like so many accounts credible accounts that that uh you know continue to be reported today um you know it would be remiss i think of us too to ignore the fact that you said it reminded you of something that has happened in your own life i feel like yeah. we should talk about that <laughs> yeah so um about eight years ago um, I bought my first home and my daughter at the time was, she was one, uh, she turned one and we were living in this home and 
the house was owned by one family. They built the family. The husband and wife built the the house. Hmm. Uh, they raised 13 kids in this house, two bedrooms, very small bedrooms, you know, wood, wood burning stove in one corner. They had an outhouse in the back. Over time, they built onto the home. The, the kids would come and go. They'd move out. The, the parents never left. Like I said, they built this home from the ground up. The, the mother actually died in the home, and that's where I bought it. I was the only second owner of this house. Mm. And, you know, when I moved in, the family, you know, collected all of, all of the large items and everything like that, but there was a lot of stuff still left behind. I was told that this woman was extremely religious. She, um, you know, she had her, her precious artifacts to her, um, you know, like crosses, angels. Uh, there was actual little vials of holy water uh, screwed to the walls of every single room. Oh, wow. That's, wow. I am not uh, a religious person at all i don't discount it i'm just not personally that's not you know what i believe in um so i asked the family i said do you want any of this stuff because i'm going to be updating the house and they said no you just just throw it away and you know i felt bad about that but i didn't have a need for it and nobody wanted it so i did what they said not long after that we started experiencing the same stuff that this article talked about you know everyone would be in one room of the home and you would hear a loud crash like down in the basement. And the way I always described it was it sounded like a car drove through the wall and knocked everything down downstairs. And it wasn't just like, you know, in my mind or anything, everyone in the house heard this and we would jump up and we'd run down there worried that maybe a shelf gave out or um, something happened. Like the mind was racing. We go downstairs, nothing. Nothing is out of place at all. Go back upstairs, maybe later in the night, would hear it again. And it would always come from downstairs. Um, eventually, that evolved to where my daughter would start saying that at night, this was after she turned two, so we were living in the house for you know a year. She would talk about an old lady who would talk to her when she would sleep. And you know, being two and stuff, you know, like that's kind of, that'd be like kind of a weird story to like make up right so she would she would talk about the old lady who would talk to her sometimes she would stop and you know laugh or look um within the home it was just a very unsettling feeling <laughs> later on we got a dog and the dog would respond the same way it would just like look off down to the hallway and would kind of be on alert, on guard, and would whimper away from the hallway. And what was interesting is down the hallway where, you know, uh, my daughter and dog and everything would look, was the only bedroom, and that was the room in which the the mother died. But that was uh, our bedroom. So we started taking it more seriously, like, okay, this is, something's going on here. We'd have, like, the doors rattling at night, um, banging on the windows, sounding like people were walking up the stairs or down the hallway. And we just kind of learned to live with it. One time I had my siblings over and my sister-in-law was there and they were staying the night and she went to bed uh, early in one of the side bedrooms and she didn't really believe anything we were saying about this. But at night she swore that at one point when she was trying to go to sleep that 
she heard what sounded like whispering, but she couldn't, there was like no words. It was just that kind of sound, you know? Hmm. And then she said that it felt like someone pushed down on her pillow on both sides of her head and she ran out of the room. And after that, like she did not doubt anything that we were saying. I eventually found a picture of the of the mother in the home when we were renovating. Mm-hmm. I, I put it up on one of the shelves on the wall and stuff and learned her name. And whenever this stuff would start going on, we would say her name. Her name was Helen. We'd say, okay, Helen, we know you're here. And you know, as crazy as it sounds, like the stuff would stop. And what we associated it with the whole experience was that, you know, this was a woman who had to deal with the fact that she was losing her home that she raised her family in. And there was also children again in the house. So it's kind of like she was there still doing what she did while she was alive. Am I putting all my stock in that? No, but it made sense and it still makes sense for what we experienced. Sure. I mean, that's so interesting for so many reasons, too. I mean, most notably, I, I, I think, or at least this is the thing that, that comes to mind for me right away, is what that implies, then, is the persistence of, of consciousness and, and awareness. You know, so, so basically, that perspective really insists that there be some, some sapience, like, in, involved here. Like, this is somebody who had to have known what was going on or at least was aware of the other people in her house so like I, it always makes me wonder like what must that be like you know mm-hmm. what i mean like is, does she think she's still alive does like is, is she wondering why these people are in her house or is she fully aware that you know she's shuffled off the her her mortal coil and at this point is is haunting her old house you know like what what must that experience be like i suppose we'll all find out eventually but it sounds so weird i'm just like i'm mystified but also like freaked out by that idea it's a very weird thing to talk about and it's like you know and i've asked my daughter now about it she's 10 and i've asked her like do you remember like because you said that this the, an old woman would talk to you, or a woman, or a person, like because she was two at the time, you know, right. it was whatever the descriptive term that was in her mind at the time. But it was always a person of some sort, and she said she does not remember it, and it's like it's like that's almost completely faded away. But I remember when she was younger asking her about it. There was never any sense of fear to her; like she was never afraid to go to bed. She was never afraid or would like come out of her room. She was just nonchalantly, oh, the, uh, the lady talked to me last night. I saw the lady last night. I saw, so it made it seem better, but right. it also was like, this is kind of unsettling. Like, is there someone watching me right now? Like, is, am I doing something that's gonna make them mad? But then it's like, once we recognize she was there, like living in that situation was a breeze it's like you were just living with a roommate that you know you worked opposite shifts 
you might come home and something might be out of place and you're just like, well, they had to go to work. I guess I'm not going to see them today. Like, that's what it felt like. So you just kind of clean up the mess. I've never heard somebody put that that way before. That's a great way to put it, though. Yeah. Um, Did your daughter ever mention what, you know, anything that, that Helen would talk about? No. She would just say they. she talked to her. So... I'm, I'm kind of maybe relating it a bit to like what my sister-in-law said like mm. she she heard what she could only describe as whispering but she couldn't make out any words mm. it was just that sound or that feeling so I wonder if it was the same thing going on with her you know she could feel that she was talking to her or she could hear something but but she couldn't make out any words and then you know as a little kid oh they're talking to me but it's just gibberish Right. Or, you know, something we can't grasp or tune into what they're saying exactly. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that is interesting. You know, I've, I've had that experience myself of, well, a few different times and in different situations, actually. But, you know, when I was a, a kid, and by I guess kid, I mean teenager, I was at my grandparents' house. This would have been in Bardoff, Illinois, which is basically a, a ghost town. So the town my my mom and and her siblings grew up in, of course, and uh, you know, it's, it, it, even back then, it had a population of maybe five hundred people. Population now is probably a hundred at the most. No, oh, so it went down. It, it well, it did, and the reason it went down, if I may digress, is the train used to stop in town. Trains, like, no longer stops in town. the The entire main street, like, it had a post office, general store, all this stuff is now like abandoned boarded up buildings oh, weird. yeah from like decades and decades ago like the one room schoolhouse that my mom went to school in back in like the the uh 50s and 60s is like this abandoned building now but uh, anyway so their house i experienced a bunch of weird stuff in and one night i remember i was sleeping downstairs they had this pull out sofa and there was only one tv in the house and it was it was downstairs uh, this is at my my grandparents house like i said and uh and, you know, it was the only TV, and I wanted to stay up and watch cable, you know. And uh, and so I'm watching TV, and I keep hearing what sounds like this muffled conversation from, like, the either the dining room or the kitchen, both of which would have been behind me. And um, it was just, it was the weirdest thing. It was so uncanny because I could hear it, and, like, you know, I could hear it, like, over the, the television because I tried to keep the TV down a little bit, not to keep other people up. And... Um, and it was just, it was so strange because it sounded like, like people speaking, but I couldn't make out any of the words. It wasn't even like it was in a foreign language. It was just like, you know, if, if you've heard people speaking from like a distance, mm. but it was closer than that, you know, like, like hearing people speak at a distance right next to you. It was just just bizarre. That almost sounds like some of the phenomena we experience when we go to the kettle. I've heard something similar at, at, at the kettle, actually, where it sounded like... But that really... That at, at, at the kettle, when I heard what sounded like things speaking, that actually sounded more like gibberish. Mm. And by gibberish, I mean like people speaking a language that like I couldn't relate to anything I've ever heard in Got my it. life. Okay, yeah. Rather than like you know the the not being able to make out like just like knowing somebody speaking but not being able to make out discernible words or anything kind of like someone attempting to talk underwater yeah oh okay that makes a lot of sense yeah so it's 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 eerie though yeah, it is it always just ugh, I when we're out there i just never want to come across anybody i kind of hate it uh 
By anybody, do you mean Sasquatch? Well, and humans. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to run into, like, some meth head or weirdo or something. Well, yeah, and I'm just, I don't know. It would just be so awkward, too, if it was, like, somebody, like, doing what we were doing. Anyway, so that's off the point, but... <laughs> why, why would that be awkward? Like, if they're doing literally the same thing we're out there doing. I don't know. It just is something about somebody coming up in the dark... I just like to be in my little group with you guys. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. All right. Um, it's okay to be in uh, introvert, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can definitely say one thing I like to add to the uh, the haunting, the haunted house, my haunted house, mm. <laughs> is um, after after living with that for like five years and getting accustomed to it and all that, it, w- it was sad when we moved to the new home. I bet. Like, it, you felt like you were leaving something behind. But ever since that, now whenever I come across on TV, like, these shows where it's, like, um, talking about these people's experience, and they just hype it up to be the most deadly oh, thing ever. Yeah, like, the drama. And I, some people do experience that, or they feel that they experience that. But I'm just like, man, if they did one about us, it would just be so boring. <laughs> like, how would they spice this up? I mean, I swear I've seen several where, like, the narrative is, like, family moves into house, child sees things, child doesn't seem scared, parents are freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the parents start seeing people walking in the dark and stuff like that, and it's like, then it gets violent. It's like, why does it always gotta get violent? And does it get violent, though? Well, I'm just saying, like, because people could interpret, and I, I understand your, your, your point here, I'm like... Yeah. Because people are... I. I I think a lot of people would have heard, you know, like the the crashing and stuff that that you heard, and would have interpreted that uh, to be more than it is. You know, to a lot of the the sort of like hype artists out there, you know, something knocking on your windows or rattling your cupboards or or, or whatever would be described as like practically demonic. You know. Even though, like, that's a, a relatively common, innocuous, frankly, like, uh, phenomenon often associated with hauntings. Mm-hmm. So, makes sense. But the the hype the hype people, you know, it's for those shows. It's not a it's not a modern thing because there's a lot of stories in this book where you can tell they're doing the exact same thing. Interesting. They're just selling it as much as they can on some of this stuff to oh yeah to sell papers. <laughs> So I mean, okay. Like, do you have a like a favorite example of that? Because I'm kind of interested in like how far they went. You know, like like what are we talking here? Um, there is a story uh, about a man who. Well, it's not about a man. It's about the house, the a haunted house in an, in a neighborhood. And the story revolves about the ghost that is said to haunt it is supposed to be the ghost of a man who was turned down by a woman. So what he did to get back at her is he went to the doorstep and committed suicide on the doorstep in front of her, but she wasn't there. So so when like the door was opened, he just like shot himself, but it wasn't her. So the ghost is reported to roam through this house enacting his suicide like every single night and just being super dramatic about it. He like, sounds the, like a the really writer dramatic goes guy. into detail about like, you know, the gore 
in which the suicide, the the gunshot, and just the the anguish and stuff like that—it's like really building it up. It's like, yeah, it was, it was very tragic. You know, when anything like that happens, it's just it's it's extremely tragic. But the amount of detail they were putting into it—it's just like this person, you know, was an aspiring writer. This person really wanted to get the point across as to why he believes this house is haunted. That's hilarious. So, and and this was a, a journalist, presumably, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, do you think that this story actually happened? Like, do you think this guy really committed suicide on on this person's front, you know, porch or whatever? I don't think so, honestly. It just seems like, uh, like the house in the area that was a little run down that people just told stories about. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few there's a few stories like that about people coming across an area where it's like, oh, this is the local haunted house. This is the spook house of the neighborhood. This is, and they always make make sure to point that out, that people know its reputation. So, you know, usually with that, it's like, it gives a little bit of backstory. It's like, okay, this might not be true. This might just be a little bit of local folklore going on. But the ones involving people who like asked for help or, you know, were just kind of thrust into the middle of the situation, those ones read like, this one might have some truth to it. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. And it's it's always interesting to see sort of that folklore in, in action, too, you know, when it comes to urban legends. And, and the the fact is, you know, all too often, like, the stuff everybody knows is is just wrong. Yeah. It's almost always wrong. So, yeah, that is interesting, though. And, you know, I think it's uh, interesting, too, sort of, how you can, when you're reading through these stories, sort of uh, discern authenticity, I think, from exaggeration, you know, or, or embellishment, you know. And it seems like the, the really authentic accounts, you know, you, you, you can really, I think, discern that authenticity because of how it mirrors what's, what's still happening, what people are still reporting you know like to me that i think is is the most convincing aspect right there you know if people are still experiencing it today then i have a much easier time believing that it was happening back then and that's like that also kind of translates to uh like the monster stories in the first book because there's a lot of them in there you're just like nah this isn't true but then there's a lot of reports that they describe the exact same thing that people are describing today so it's like for it to carry over, you know, a hundred plus years and not change at all. It's like there's something there. Why would that remain consistent the entire time unless people are seeing and have been seeing and experiencing the same thing? Right. Definitely makes sense to me. Anyway. Um, I do have a, yeah. a, you know, an example of a folklore one, though. It's like reading it, you know that it's this is just legend. Great. Let's but, hear it. It's it's a fun one in general, which, you know, these, I try to include a lot of these in the book, too. It's just something fun that you can read, be like, huh, I never knew about that. But this one's called A Ghostly Fiddler, and it's on page 181. Um, it's from the Pittsburgh Dispatch, January 17th, 1891, and the newspaper that ran it is in Pennsylvania. But it is about a, a ghostly sound of music because of a murder, And just to kind of summarize it, a man was murdered who enjoyed playing the fiddle. The, since his death, people who would go to the cabin reported hearing 
this specific song that he always played when he was alive and the fiddle music would um, go out into the darkness and would just kind of like travel on the air and it would happen every single night or at a specific time and people believed that they knew who did it but they weren't sure and the story goes on to tell that eventually they did find the man who was responsible for the murder but the way they caught him was at a bar that night someone who was playing the fiddle played the exact song that the ghost was said to play which caused the man to you know turn in fright and kind of give it up that he did kill him and he ended up dying out of fear from like a heart attack and then the the twist was that when they found out or they approached the musician as to why they played that song it was that fiddle that the man who was murdered owned so it was kind of like this weird revenge in a way where it's just kind of like ooh, it's spooky this is this area you know ghostly fiddle and you know, they just kind of leave it at that. It had a resolution. It had, you know, the, the the bad guy got what's coming to him. And it just kind of exists as this weird piece of, you know, folklore from Alabama. <laughs> That's super interesting, you know. I mean, I, I, I love that it sounds like an episode of The Twilight Zone, of course, you know. Um, but beyond that, the idea of phantom music, you know, it's 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 old. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a really, really old phenomenon. And I remember a couple years ago, I think this was right around St. Paddy's Day, probably, you know, we were we were researching like some fairy folklore. And there's this really old tradition of fairy music. And, it, uh, you know, people would report hearing these haunting melodies being played uh, when walking past like, you know, lonely roads or, or uh, deserted graveyards, you know, stuff like that. And, you know this particular story like it reminded me of that so much mm. and you know i i believe this was alabama right i mean there was probably a, a relatively heavy like because a lot of the south you know was settled by like irish or 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 some some kind of celtic so like scotch irish right and so like this is exactly the kind of thing i would expect to come out of that heritage uh, regarding like uh, fairy music because it's it's totally fairy music but uh, couched as a, a ghost story you know so it's just it's so fascinating to me because it's absolutely folklore in action you know like somebody was like hey you know we've had this this tradition of, of fairy music and there's long been a connection uh, in in folklore between like fairies and ghosts and and the, the, the dead and, and whatever. And so, like, just seeing it sort of make that transition into ghost story is just so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. They do say that the murdered prospector, who they believed was the ghost, he was a Scottish man, and the music that he always played, the music that would flutter on into the night, was the song Within a Mile of Old Edinburgh Town. The stanza would always be strong, and then it would get softer and sweeter before it suddenly stopped in the middle of one of the bars, and they said that the moment that it stops was the moment that the man was killed as he was playing the fiddle. Huh. That, yeah, I mean, that's that's fantastic. It really is. Mm -hmm. That is fascinating. Just, like I said, watching sort of the, the evolution of, of folklore within a culture. 
It really is. And, you know, and I guess, like, sort of my, my point from a Fordian sense there was, you know, we don't know that there isn't some element of truth. Now, this particular story might have been invented, but the tradition of of telling stories of, about fairy music or, or uh, fairy music itself could have developed from some unexplained phenomenon oh totally you know and so i think you see that so often in in this field um you know people telling stories about the the paranormal and yeah maybe the story they invented is made up but is it based on something that 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 really happened some actual unexplained phenomenon Mm -hmm. who knows yeah you never know all right i think that we're getting about to time but because I do dominate the conversation, I always, <laughs> when we start to get towards the end, I uh, like to throw it over to Emily for uh, some final questions. Sure, I guess. Like, my only question would be, like, you did a monster book. You did a ghost book. Are you going to do UFOs or aliens in print? UFOs and aliens, I found, have been incredibly difficult to find outside of, you know, the, the great airship mystery, which has been covered uh, across the board. Before that big flap of of sightings, they didn't really report like weird things. They might say that uh, you you might get like a a paragraph where oh, a farmer went outside today, um, saw some weird in the sky, but his attention was taken away by his horses who escaped. It's like they didn't really care as much until that flap where people were seeing the exact same thing traveling across. United States. I am currently doing a third book uh, where some of these these stories that I can find will make an appearance in it, but it it won't be all about that. It's definitely crossed my mind, but it's proved to be very challenging. Interesting. All right. Well, you know, maybe at some point, you know, I guess when it comes to the subject of, of UFOs, I mean, you could always consider... A more, I guess, modern approach to that specific subject because I, I, I know they've been covered extensively in the, the, the news, but it would, you know, it would be, you know, from like 1930 on. For yeah, 20th part. century or something. Yeah. So still fascinating stuff. Um, is the 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 new book so? new or or i should say uh so still in progress that that you can't tell us what it's about um i'd say it's relatively relatively young but it's going to be just a variety of mysterious subjects uh you know there might be some lost treasure stories some unexplained uh deaths um some uh legends just just a whole grab bag of things that can't really be explained. Very cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Emily, any any final thoughts? No, I think um, this was a very interesting uh, episode. I just enjoyed you listening to you sit and talk about the stories, especially your own. Oh, yeah. It's super fun to have Adam on uh, every time, <laughs> obviously. And I feel like every time you tell, I've heard that story of yours before. But I feel like every time you tell it, we get more details. So That's true. I like that. So, Ghosts in Print, an assemblage of spirit spooks and specters from newspapers of old, is available on Amazon. I encourage everybody to pick it up. It's great. It's a great value. It is enormous. And uh, like Adam's other book, which also sits on our shelf, it is 
uh, both an entertaining read and an excellent bit of reference material because a lot of research goes into these books. Um, it's not just stuff you can you can find on, on on the internet, you know, flipping through websites or whatever. Like a lot of work goes into these, so mm-hmm. they are definitely excellent resources for that. Adam, thank you so much once again. Always a pleasure, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if I could just uh, add on to that real quick, just about the book. Yes. Um, just just so everyone knows who might you know be interested in in checking that out or whatever i never try to sway anyone's opinions um there's like no personal beliefs of mine in here this is just straight up stories right you know 200 plus stories of everything across the board and you are allowed to believe it if you want uh if you don't want to believe it it's completely up to you it's it's not out to change anyone's mind Well said. All right. Well, hey, thanks again. And um, yeah, we look forward to having you back on as soon as the the new book comes out. You'll have you'll have three out probably by by the time we manage our second. And after that, I'll retire. Yeah. Retire on top. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Well, just before um, we say goodbye here, where can people find you, Adam, in case that... Um, oh, good point. So we do have some new members since our... <laughs> we do have some new members since our other episode came out, so in case they have not listened to it, because that was a year ago, actually. Um, oh, wow, yeah. Where, anyways, where can people find you online? Where can they connect with you? Everything can be found at pinebarrensinstitute.com. Um, from there, there's links to, you know, all the all the articles. There's more historic newspaper stuff on there. You can find my Twitter, Instagram, everything from that one location. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Adam, again for coming back on. For coming back on. And I'm sure this is not going to be the last episode. Actually, this is your third episode with us. So um, <laughs> we look forward I'm to going to retire now. Yeah. That's right. Three books, three episodes. So. All right. Well, thank you, Adam, again. And to everybody else, stay weird. Yeah, keep it weird, everybody. We would like to give a special shout-out to Andrew Frisk, Julie Bauer, Simone Barton, and Dylan Burnett for helping sponsor these episodes. Thanks, everybody. We, We really appreciate it.